Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Ego Chow podcast, a Call of Duty esports podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I am joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode we are going to be running through the first week of the Call of Duty League. The 2022 season is upon us. We have actually went through a uh, an actual week. We've seen some incredible matches and some upsets. Uh, we're also going to be previewing and giving our predictions, uh, hopefully a little bit better for me uh, this coming week, but we're going to try to give our predictions for the next uh, week of matches uh, as we go to week two in this um, these qualifying matches for the first major in the Call of Duty League season. Uh, and we're also going to touch on some ranked play and uh, the second season of Call of Duty Vanguard, uh, give you some news and notes on that and give our opinions. Well, Bink will give you his opinions mostly. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we have a pretty cool show coming at you tonight. Uh, how are you doing, Bink? Doing all right. Um, long day, but ready to talk some COD. Yeah, your day is usually longer than mine since you have to deal with all of the, the stuff, um, the games and... It's, it's a little more busy on your end, at least. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's get into it. We we did our preview episode last week where we talked about what we kind of thought of the 12 Call of Duty League teams. And uh, we gave our predictions for how these, uh, I believe there were 10 matches uh, last week, uh, how we thought those matches would go based on just kind of our, our thoughts on the teams and what we saw from the kickoff classic. Uh, suffice to say you did a lot better than me at predicting the matches, which I'm not too surprised, but I'm kind of surprised just how badly I did. Uh, but let's go through these matches. So we had three matches to start on uh, the first day, which is Friday, February 4th. Uh, the first match of the, the league season was London versus Florida. And, uh, both of us picked Florida to win this, um, London was not a good team last year and uh, we didn't really get to see a whole lot of them in the kickoff classic because they got swept. Florida, they, they've been kind of the middle of the road, a little bit higher at, at times uh, over the past two seasons, and obviously both of us thought they would be a little bit stronger, but they are actually swept. They got swept by London this week uh, in the first match of the season. What did you think of this? Uh, are, how surprised are you to see that the Royal Ravens swept the mutineers i was moderately surprised i'm not gonna say i was super shocked obviously i predicted florida but it's not like um you know like florida is like this heavily like a, a strong contender or highly ranked team coming into the season two these were two teams both in the lower half of the power rankings in the eyes of many people within the community and coaches etc um so although in my eyes, you know, based on that kickoff classic, it felt like a lot of people weren't, like, really hyping up London or anything like that, regardless of the kickoff classic. And then you go into that preseason event, again, can't really take too much away from that, like we talked about last week. But um, Florida did win uh, their match, I believe, against LAG. And then I think London lost to Seattle, which, you know, in hindsight now, it's looking like Seattle's a really good team, so that there might not have been too much to take away from that result but yeah for for london to come out in 3-0 florida like this i was i was you know decently surprised um i honestly that uh, it was still in my work shift while, while i'm editing stuff so i really don't remember the matches like too well 
But, you know, just looking at the scores for the series, it was started Gavu two hard point, 250 to 119 for London. Uh, Desert Sea Search was 6-1 London, and then the control on Gavu 2 was 3-1. So it's not really like those these maps were uh, necessarily close in a lot of regards. Um, if you look at the uh, final stats for the match provided by Breaking Point, um, everybody on London had a positive KD. Uh, Gizmo, most notably, had a 1.63, was 57-35. and 35. And uh, the lowest KD was zero at 39 and 30, which was a 1.3. So everybody performed well there. And then Awakening at a 0.98, and everybody was negative on Florida. Um, I did see some chatter on Twitter after the match. Um, Skies tweeted, I don't know why we played on the London server. Those were the hardest kills ever. Um, and I think it was Ogre1 who like tweeted like a, a, a map, like joking about it because... Um, the London players are in North Carolina, I believe, and obviously the Florida yeah. players are in the Florida headquarters. So, like, over one, like, drew an arrow of, like, you know, like, the distance from Florida to Virginia and NC to uh, Virginia, just, like, to show that disparity. So, um, might not have been an ideal situation for Florida in terms of the servers there, but, you know, these are online matches. That's always going to be a factor. And um, it's just, you know, some players are going to have to deal with and unfortunately just didn't break Florida's way in that regard this time but uh, definitely not going to put like all the blame and say you know uh, Florida only got swept here because they were playing on a disadvantaged server um, you know London took care of business so um, surprising and uh, I, I really you know I'm not saying it's a super big upset or you know just like super surprised by it but you know it was an upset in the eyes of many people and and a somewhat surprising result to start off the 2022 regular season. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I guess for maybe it's maybe it's just me, and maybe this isn't the case for other people. But I have a hard time getting the idea of teams and like their reputations out of my head before a new season because what I remember of London is what I saw last season, you know, and and the same could be said for Florida where I said at basically throughout the entire season last year that Florida should be a really good team. They should be, you know, a top five team, really. And I think I'm kind of holding on to that. And the same with London. I'm thinking, oh, they should be a bottom four team because that's what we saw out of them last year. They were one of the worst teams in the league. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the pandemic and the visa issues that came along with it. But for me, just getting the these like old rosters and these past iterations of their rosters out of the out of my head is very difficult. So I think maybe picking Florida in hindsight, obviously, um, was a bad idea. But that's uh, London just played really well, and then we we got to see both of these teams play uh, later on in the weekend, okay. and London still looked good. So it wasn't that Florida. Uh, at least it appeared that Florida isn't just a bad team that uh, just got stomped by a good team. Uh, it does seem that London yeah. is a good team, and Florida might actually be pretty good too, or this might just been a bad series to reflect their true skill. Yeah, they certainly flipped a switch in their uh, second match of the week, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, and just to talk about the online issues, that was something we talked about from the get-go last week when we went through our predictions because these qualifying matches are all online and 
uh, I mean, it's been talked about ad nauseum about player from players for the past like several years that these really important matches that are online are not a true reflection of teams. A lot of times, Seattle was very adamant about that last year when uh, they you know overperformed expectations at the land at the first land of the season after being like I think they were the worst team in the league uh, coming into that major. Uh, because of online play so uh, it's it's hard to judge teams based on their online play and we're going to see teams bring up these excuses which could be legitimate excuses but it's not going to change anything you know the results don't change it's not like Florida gets a win back uh, because they played on a different server than London or a different server than they should have so um, just be prepared everybody for everybody complaining about uh, online issues for the rest of the season. Um, let's move on to this next uh, match where uh, the Boston Breach, they debuted in the Call of Duty League. They had their first CDL match. And um, unlike the previous match, this was actually a very close contest. We had Boston coming away with the victory 3-2 over the Los Angeles uh, Gorillas. And I'm actually supporting LAG. I should have yeah, right there. So uh, I said it last week that I should be supporting them and I should be wearing their merch. And, um, you know, this wasn't their best showing, uh, I'll admit. But later on in the weekend, they, they did uh, make me a proud LAG merch owner. Uh, but this match, we had Boston come away with the uh, win. You correctly predicted this match. I did not, even though I, I've uh, been known to, on this podcast, support LAG through thick and thin or mostly just then. Uh, so what do you think of this? Boston beating LAG in their first match. Yeah, I think... Um, I can't remember exactly what I said last week about this match, but I feel like going into it, I felt it was not necessarily a coin flip, but it, I felt like it could have been a very close match. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of talent on the LAG team, and we've heard a lot of good things about Boston in early season scrims, and it uh, seems like they might be, you know, um, performing better than some people would expect for the 12th team in the league coming in, you know, seemingly being at a disadvantage, having to field a last-minute roster. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like that's, like, severely hindering them or anything yet, at least, or at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I think the uh, big takeaway here was that Boston won both searches. Um one or one MGs, sorry. Uh, LAG won both hard points, but Boston took the searches. And you know, that age old adage of search wins championships, I guess here we can take it over to a search wins online qualifier matches. Nice. Uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that Capsidal is the real deal. Like, for a guy that I had no clue about really before the season. And now he's in the CDL and he's facing Slasher and Gunless and Hook. Like for him to have the highest, uh, or I guess tied for the highest KD in the series with Gunless and uh, be a, an actual factor for his team in winning a CDL match, it's just a testament to how well Boston scouted their roster that they were able, like, and, and for like, uh, you know, Methods and TJ and Nero, like to come up with him and he's you know a lot of teams they really don't pick like the underrated guys they don't pick guys that aren't well known a lot of times because you see 
uh, like older, maybe less talented CDL or uh, COD pros get chances, uh, gets chance after chance, excuse me. And um, for Capsule to come out and just be the absolute beast that he is, it's really surprising. It's awesome to see. Uh, we saw a lot of great rookie uh, play this weekend, and we'll get to it when I think the next match was Seattle and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, Capsule, he was my big takeaway from this. Yeah, and I mean, looking at the stats for this, again, provided by Breaking Point, um, it, it's kind of interesting. I feel like um, just looking at the, the total number of kills, Methods had 97. Everybody else in the series had over 100 kills. I feel like, I mean, I could be wrong here. There could be some outliers, but I feel like aside from like the uh, best of, what's the best of nine? Best of nine in the grand finals? Aside from like those long grand finals in the majors last year, I feel like we didn't really see a lot of triple digit kill uh, performances and, in, in, you know, especially in best of five series. And uh, map one was Bokage Hardpoint in this series, 250, 237. So not only was it Bokage, which seems to be, you know, like engagement heaven, there's, there's a lot of gunfights going on there, but it was a super close Bokage, which means they were playing for a long time. So that could obviously play a factor and inflate the kill numbers here a little bit, but uh, that's still something to keep an eye on um, to see, you know. Uh, throughout the year, what, what kind of kill numbers we can get up to. Because, I mean, for a series like this, if we see was it, so Gunless and Capital both have 111 kills. Um, well, I guess we'll see if we, we go through the rest of these matches, if anybody passes 111 this week. But that, that could be, like, the overall series record very easily right now. Yeah, with Bokic in the uh, rotation, it's going to be really difficult for those kill numbers not to be high. Um especially like you said if it goes down to the wire and these these teams are going like 250 to 249 or going down to the time limit there's no way that nobody like somebody's gonna drop like 65 70 kills in a map like it's just uh, i don't know about that but you don't think so you don't happen. well we can talk about it later but i think the highest so far was 46 by vivid on bokage i just think like especially if i don't know i i have a feeling that um I don't know. I just I have a feeling that there will be a breakout performance, and it'll probably be with like optic or something where uh, they're out slaying or whatever, but they're not getting all the time, which is a classic optic thing. And uh, it just turns out to be like a slay heavy game. But maybe I'm wrong, and we'll. I th I think sixty is very ambitious. I think fifty is like. You know, like a 50 bomb on Bokage is like kind of eye opening. Yeah. Um, I just I just scrolled back. If we look, um, the uh the the scoreboard for this Bokage hardpoint in particular, again, 250 to 237. So like aside from like 250 to 249, this is like kind of as long of a Bokage game as you're likely gonna get. Mm -hmm. Um Gunless led the lobby with 41 kills, TJ yeah. had the most Maybe on Boston with 40. So, yeah, I, I think 70 is definitely not happening. Yeah. If 60 happens, that'd be really cool, and it would probably be outlandish. I think 50 is the mark to beat right now, and anything above that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to this. Uh, so we had uh, a third match on Friday. We had New York versus Seattle. Uh, we both we split the prediction. So you went with Seattle, and I went with New York. I believe my reasoning was that I was going to go with the more talented or more experienced roster uh, on paper uh, to start off the season, uh, just kind of as a, 
a baseline. And uh, I was wrong, which is uh, a very surprising thing. It doesn't happen too often on this podcast or even in life in general. But uh, Seattle, they swept New York 3-0. And I would say this is like it is an upset in that New York has two of the greatest Call of Duty players of all time on their roster. And Seattle has two rookies and Accuracy, who was benched last season, and Mac, who was, I think, being considered for being benched, but uh, he was also on New York last season. So a lot of things uh, seemed like, I don't know, I think Seattle, they they looked incredible, and uh, they continued to look incredible in their second match, which we'll get to. But uh, what did you think of the Seattle uh, beating New York? Well, you just reminded me. I didn't even think about it at the time. Um, and we, we're not going to get out of order here, but in New York's other match of the week, a uh, certain they played against a team with a certain member of New York's team last year. Um, and then in this series, like you just mentioned with Mac, um, he was on New York last year, and it's kind of a revenge series for him. He, he gets the win over his team from last year. Um, but for me, I, I think I, I had a hesitant uh, prediction with Seattle in, in both of their series for this weekend. I, I, I remember saying on the pod that, like, I'm going with Seattle expecting them to let me down just because, again, kind of like you said um, earlier in this show, that's just, like, hard to get, like, um, your, your thoughts or, you know, what your what you th- you thought about these t- past iterations of certain franchises from previous years, it's hard to get rid of those heading into a new season where, although this is the Seattle Surge franchise that has struggled in the first two seasons of CDL, it's a completely different team, completely new coach, completely new GM. And, um, you know, early season so far that they're showing that, you know, this is not the same old Seattle Surge that CDL fans are accustomed to. Um, I think, you know, looking at the maps, it's, it's not like Seattle, like, completely blew out new york um tuscan hardpoint was 250 to 171 not not necessarily super close but not a blowout or 100 point club um and then it was 6-5 in bokid search and 3-2 in gavutu control um i feel like we can talk about control uh, i mean i guess we can just talk about it now in general um just the nature of gavutu control i feel like we're going to see a lot of uh three twos where there's five defensive wins um, just because it's it's the the one control point is in the boat on Gavutu over to the right if you're pushing from offense, and then the other point is like on the beach, uh, way to the left, and it's heavily like, um, if you, if you look at the mini map, it, it's just distinctly closer to the defensive spawn than the offensive spawn. So even even if you get that one point, I think it's A in the boat. Um, if you get that one point, you still have a huge uphill battle to try and capture that B point. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of defensive round wins on Gavutu unless something changes with the spawns or the points or anything like that. So um, I don't think 3-2 is like... There's much to take away from that. It could be um, more allocated to the map than actually like how the teams performed but um again the just point here being that seattle gets a sweep but it's not like um it was a huge blowout i guess is just the main point i'm taking away even though you know you look at the stats all all the players on uh new york were negative Krim had the best kd at 0.97 um and even accuracy and mac went negative but 
the the new rookie duo there on Seattle Sib with a 1.37 and Prey with a 1.8 or 1.18. Sorry. Yeah, the hard point is the obviously the most lopsided win of the yeah. the series for Seattle, but just the fact that they even won the series, um, I think it's just surprising. I guess it shouldn't be all that surprising because we knew what the coaches thought of Seattle coming into the regular season. And uh, they had a, like a, a better reputation in the preseason than New York did. Um, maybe that's because of the lack of practice that New York has. Um, I think Clayster said that they haven't really practiced a whole lot uh, because of like the holidays and Hydra coming back uh, from France and everything. But um, still a really surprising win. And uh, it definitely was a good start for your rookie of the year pick. Uh, Sib, 39 kills uh, on the opening hard point nine in the search uh and he uh, was still positive in the control but pred my rookie of the year uh 37 kills on gavutu control so um i mean that that that's just a great start for seattle uh let's and obviously they did keep it up as uh as the weekend went along but um yeah so great start for seattle what would you say i was just gonna say just because it was just like fresh in our mind we were just talking about that boston series um, this was only a three-map series, obviously, and Sib and Pred, Pred had 77 overall kills, Sib had 77, and that's in a three-map series with no bokage. So compare that to the 111 we saw from Capsidal and Gunless, uh, that could be an early indication to the inflation provided by bokage that we were mentioning earlier. Yeah. Uh, the next day, we had four matches. So the first was Atlanta versus Paris. Uh, which we uh, were kind of memeing about on the podcast last week. We were talking about how it would be a huge upset if Atlanta could beat Paris. Um, and uh, we were, I mean, if you didn't know anything about Call of Duty esports and you just watched this match, you would think that, okay, like Atlanta must be like a, a team fighting for their life, trying to beat this like powerhouse that is, Paris at the because Paris looked really really good and Atlanta just squeaked out a victory uh they went 3-2 and uh hand Paris their first loss of the season uh what you what were your takeaways uh from this Atlanta versus Paris series yeah my big takeaway is just the Gavutu factor seems like for uh Atlanta here and um I can't remember I believe it was on the flank um Aches and Zuma were mentioning it that um just the the way that matches are set up right now because there are only two control maps whichever team wins the coin flip ahead of the matches and like gets to pick what whether they want to be team A or B for the vetoes they essentially get to pick which control map is played because they get to ban one of the control maps and then there's only one left so that's just automatically the control map so. Uh, I believe in this situation, uh, Paris wins the coin toss, and then we see uh, Gavutu played as the control, which um, we were just talking about that in the past series. But uh, aside from the uh, defensively favored nature of the map, it's also a AR-heavy map, which uh, doesn't exactly favor uh, the phase, the phase boys. I don't think... Um, like We've seen... 
simp use an AR at times in the past, but obviously it's just, you know, the Tiny Terriers are known for being those aggressive subs in your face, you know, slaying heavy with an SMG. And if one of them, if, you, if you're playing on a map like Gavutu, that's right now mostly three ARs, one sub, one of those main sub players has to be uh, running an, an AR. And for a team like Paris, like, sure, they have John and Decimate, who are both mainly SMG players, but um, I, I think Desi has been considered a flex at, at some points, and can, he can use an AR. Um, so I just think that that was a map that favored um, Paris's lineup construction more than FaZe, and it's something we're going to have to look out for for the rest of the season until potentially another control map is added or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like Atlanta wins a series 3-2, and the two maps that they lost in the series were Gavutu Hardpoint and Gavutu Control. So um, I believe in their second series, I, I could be wrong. I, I wanted to go back and look, but I forgot to. Um, I think they ended up vetoing both Gavutu Hardpoint and Control in their second series. And obviously we'll talk about that series when we get there. Um, but yeah, that's just something, you know, aside from Paris, you know, coming out and proving some doubters wrong with a good performance here, uh, despite not getting the win, um, you know, Atlanta ends up taking the W, but we're we're going to have to keep an eye on that, that Gavutu situation for this team going forward, I think. But, you know, in, in terms of positives, uh, phase do end up getting the win, and uh, they do it by winning the searches. Uh, they took Desert Siege 6-3 and Berlin Surge 6-1. So, um you expect a team, we've talked, obviously we talk about Faze a lot on the podcast, but we talked about it last year. They they were strong at surging. At the beginning of Cold War, they went through that little, like, lull um, in, like, stage two, I think. And then stage three, they brought in Tupac to help with S&D coaching. And, you know, really since then, they've been a strong S&D team. So it's looking to continue to be a factor for them in the season at two. We saw this last season with Atlanta that they would try things out in the regular season in the, you know, they were like the group play matches before the major just to kind of test themselves and to get, like the, like the qualifying matches are as good of practice as you're going to get because everyone is trying their hardest to win the map. So, you know, Atlanta losing on Gavutu, it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's worrisome because it's so early in the season that it, yeah. you know, it'd be an overreaction, but it's, uh, you know, like I'm sure they knew what their limitations were coming in, but it's also nice to have it on film and for like Tupac and for Crowder and um, uh, RJ to have like that, just like the proof, like what we could do better. Like, why are we losing Gavutu? Okay, like here's what we could do in the future to to help with that. And I think that's, uh, that's always good for Atlanta. Um, and we've seen, like you said, when they're weak at something or, you know, relatively weak, they're, you know, not real weak in any aspect. Uh, but if they feel like they're not up to par on something, like they're going to improve on it and they're going to get a lot better. And they're probably going to end up being one of the best teams in the league at it uh, eventually. So uh, we'll see if Gavutu is really going to be like a, a big problem for them um, or if uh, they'll just keep getting better at it. Yeah, um, and I don't think it'll necessarily be a huge problem. Like, you know, mm -hmm. 
It's not like Sib and Abizi can't shoot straight with an AR in their hand. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just obviously not I mean, I could be wrong here, but I don't think it's their preferred weapon, uh, at least historically based on their career. So uh yeah, like you said, we're just gonna have to keep an eye on um A, whether they veto Gavutu consistently, or B, if it gets through the series, how they're performing throughout the season on it. Moving on, we have uh, we had London versus Optic, and uh, in the biggest upset of the weekend, London uh, they reverse sweep Optic, and they win three two. Uh, we both got this prediction wrong. I, I guess I should mention Atlanta versus Paris. We did end up getting uh, the prediction right because we both picked Paris. Uh, but London they come in and they beat Optic, uh, hand them their first loss of the season. Uh, what did you take away from this, uh, really, really big upset? I mean, again, we got to give credit to London, right? And I mean, I I was going to mention it with that last match. You kind of touched on at the beginning, but we were kind of trolling last podcast about like picking Atlanta to be a major upset over Paris and optic to be a major upset over London. Like we, we were kind of, you know, joking around about it a little bit and we both were expecting, you know, based on the talent on the team, the, the the phase and optic teams and just like preseason rankings and everything we had seen up to this point it was just it was basically like two Atlanta and optic two teams in the top four of, of most people's opinions and then London and Paris were two teams in the bottom four in the eyes of many people so um we were both fully expecting to see the favored teams take the wins convincingly here and uh that's just not what happens in uh this second match so uh, and obviously, even in the first match, Paris proved people wrong just by having that series be closer than a lot of people thought. So, um, yeah, this was definitely an interesting one. Um, props again to London for being able, you know, such a young team there, Afro, in his second year, but didn't spend a full year in the CDL. So he's basically like half of a rookie, I guess. I don't point five in year 1.5. Um, and then you got two rookies there with zero, zero coming back after not being in the CDL last year. Um, it's just, you know, for, for a team like that with essentially three rookies is what I was trying to say, uh, to pull off a reverse sweep against a heavily favored uh, optic team. And I think it says a lot about this London squad and um, the potential that they have to be uh, turning some heads throughout this season. I don't know what the best maps are for London because we were all, we've only seen two series, but yeah. uh, the fact that they beat Optic pretty handedly on Berlin Hardpoint to force a game, uh, yeah, to force a game five, is pretty surprising because you know historically Optic is a very good Hardpoint team, uh, and I mean they also and London also beat them on control which is obviously not the the biggest thing because there's only two maps or whatever but uh you know beating optic on hardpoint that seems like a big deal to me and it wasn't like a fluke win uh they barely lost Bokic hardpoint to start off the series uh they went down to the time limit and then the second one they win by 100 points and afro drops 27 nasty drops 27 and nobody on optic uh, has a positive KD, and uh, I mean it's just it's a very impressive win. Um, I don't like it's always one of those things like is this a bigger win for London or a bigger loss for Optic? And I would say it's a bigger win for London. Like you know they earned it. They 
they barely lost on the Berlin search and destroy. And then they came out with a round 11 win on Bokid's S and D, which is like, that's incredible. Like, you know, you're the way you see stars is like in the, the tightest and the hardest moments, like they come up big and Afro drops 11 gizmo drops 12 in, uh, a 11 round game five S and D against optic and Shotzi dropped 13. So like, he did his job, but um, just a really great win for um, for London and kind of a the start of a pretty bad week for Optic in the Green Wall. And so we we can talk about Optic a little more in depth after we get to their second uh, match here. But um, the 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 one thing I do want to note here is that it's not like you know yes it was a reverse sweep, which obviously you don't want to see if you're an Optic fan, but it's also not like a reverse sweep where they just got completely blown blown out in the last three maps like sure like you mentioned that hard point uh game four wasn't necessarily close but the game five which the one that counts with all the marbles there uh it's six five and comes down to around 11 so um we can talk more about optic later but uh we we have talked a lot about um just optic and struggles in snd with past iterations of the team but I think it's going to be a little different for this squad because this isn't the Dynasty team or uh, the same old optic that we're used to. They have a guy like Illy there, known S&D star, and Shotzi's been pretty good at S&D in his young Call of Duty career. So um, that that's my takeaway from this series for from like you know like a silver lining perspective is um, if you're going to lose that last map, at least you lost six five. It's better than losing than six zero. The next match of the week, we had Seattle versus Toronto in a rematch of the kickoff classic finals. And uh, this was one that we were really looking forward to because Seattle looked very, very good in their first match of the week. And Toronto, they won the kickoff classic. They beat Seattle and they uh, were coming off a second place finish at the last CDL champs. So we, we had a lot of expectations for Toronto. Uh, Seattle comes away with the win, a uh, game five round 11, around 11 ninja diffuse by the ice man himself, ice in his veins, uh, just an incredible win. Uh, not only because it gave Seattle probably their first, like, I, I don't want to say that it's their uh, first time winning two matches in a week, but it might be like in the league's history because they were I think they won single digit matches in both of the first two seasons in the CDL. So this is a really big win for them. They beat Toronto, who uh, is probably going to be one of the best teams in the league. Um, and they've been one of the best teams in the league uh, since last season. Just uh, an incredible win. Wh what are your takeaways from Seattle's? Uh, I guess this would be an upset. Uh, what do you think of their upset over the Ultra? Yeah, this is another one that I, again, I picked Seattle to win this, but it was a very reluctant pick on my part, and it was one where, again, I said, like, yeah, I'm going to pick Seattle here, but wouldn't be surprised if Toronto uh, wins it. And, you know, a lot of people, like you mentioned, Toronto had just beat Seattle in the finals of the kickoff classic, so in the eyes of some people, Toronto were the best team in the game heading into the official start of the regular season just because of that limited result in the preseason event. So... Um, I guess this was technically an upset, but um, it, it was a super entertaining series, and 
I think, you know, end of the day, Seattle does get the win, but Toronto certainly made them work for it. And um, without that ninja diffuse that we're talking about, a reverse sweep here by Toronto in a series that Seattle goes up 2-0, convincingly winning maps one and two. And then if there's no ninja diffuse there, we see the series just essentially flip uh, slip right through their fingers, and we're talking about a completely different narrative from this match here. So, um, shout out to Accuracy for pulling off that diffuse. You know, for for the brand here, That's what uh, he does. We we like to say send the chow, but we are also a uh, big advocate of the new diffuse. So, um, it's always entertaining to see, and obviously. Um, some people argue that like ninja diffuses are easier online because of the there's no like crowd factor that could ruin it or spoil it at like a live event. Um, but I, I don't think that that that's just something to bring up. I, I don't think it obviously plays a huge role here. Um, it's just just something to think about. Like maybe we'll see some ninja diffuses once we're back to land events, but obviously it's tough again. Um, you got a whole crowd of, you know, 10,000 plus people screaming and guy goes and checks in and spoils it. It obviously takes away from that. So um, we, we, we don't see a lot of ninja diffuses. So it's always exciting when we do get to see them. And uh, yeah, this, this is a loss for Toronto. I think that's not like um, a devastating loss, but I, it's one that you go back, it might sting a little bit just because they they were so close to pulling off her reverse sweep and just, uh, you know, starting 1-0 as opposed to 0-1. But again, it shows, like we've talked about numerous times with this Toronto team, just how composed they are. Um, they have a lot of chemistry there, and, you know, in the face of adversity, when they're down 0-2, they, they come as close as you can to pulling off the reverse sweep without actually doing it. You make a great point about the narrative aspect of this, is that we... Uh, and not just us, but like the community at large would basically be talking about, look how composed Toronto are. They're like the veterans. They they know like they don't get frazzled by going down 2-0 to Seattle. And then on the flip side, you'd be like, oh, Seattle, this young team, they don't know how to win in the clutch. They they lose on a, a game five, round 11 after getting reverse swept. That's like how how fluky it is and maybe fluky isn't the right word but just like how up in the air it is that things could change like and this is online so there is a little bit like there is obviously a difference between this and land and like like reputations of an entire team or reputations of players can be like really altered by just like you know one round and search and destroy same with like london optic optic they win that game five, uh, round eleven, and I mean they they win that match, and people aren't talking about like, oh my god, like is Optic in trouble, or you know how good is London or whatever. So I just think that's interesting, uh, an interesting point that you bring up about the, like the narratives that we kind of create um, based on like very little data. Um, and then we had this uh, last match on Saturday. We had New York versus LAG. Uh, both teams lost their opening matches um, in the season. And we both went with New York in this one. Uh, but the LAG, they come out on top. We talked to, uh, you mentioned it like briefly earlier, but 
Asim was on the subliners uh, last season, and uh, he had an incredible uh, control map, um, even though they lost that map, uh, the, the Gorillas did. But, uh, yeah, just LAG, they come back, they bounce back, which is obviously what you want to see after uh, getting beat by Boston um, 3-2. So what do you think of uh, New York LAG? Yeah, um, and just real quick, before we completely move on from that last series, um, since we mentioned it in Seattle's previous series, Sib drops a 1.4 KD in that series against Toronto, went 102 and 73. Um, so I guess inflating my ego a little bit for the rookie of the year pick, that wasn't necessarily an outlandish pick by any means, but still my pick, so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like you said, um, kind of teased it a little earlier with the New York's first match there, losing to Seattle and Mac, who was on New York last year. Uh, we see Asim get his uh, revenge here against New York, and he, he let him know about it. He had that tweet after uh, the game where um, it was the Rocker tweeted at, I got to look it up because I can't it was remember. The, you dropped this meme, right? Yeah. But it was, so who was, it was, oh, I think it was New York tweeted it at Rocker. Yeah, so New York tweeted it at Rocker on February 25th last year. Must have been when New York played Rocker for the first time or something. And it says, hey, Rocker, you dropped something. And then Asim replies to that tweet from almost a year ago. Hey, Subliners, you dropped something. So um, that, that was some fun banter after the match that, you know, brought a little extra spice to things. But, yeah, th this was one match here we um, both necessarily didn't really see it going this way, just based, again, um, all we really had to base this on was the kickoff classic, at least I don't want to speak for you here, but at least in my opinion, you know, we saw uh, LAG lose to Florida in the first round of the kickoff classic, whereas New York took down Boston at least it played against Seattle, I think, after that. Um, so we just saw a little bit more out of uh, New York at the kickoff classic and maybe expected them to come out of the win based on that, but uh, that's not what happens here. We, we do see... Um, the, the Gorillas take a 2-0 lead, notably with a 6-0 win on Berlin Search. Uh, New York responds by taking the Tuscan control 3-2, and uh, I closed out of my notes. So I think it was that they won in round 11, if or round 5 offense, sorry. Um, I'm scrambling. But, um, yeah, that, that, that was the map, like you mentioned, that ASIM had that really nice streak on control and just went off, but New York does end up taking uh, the win on offense, which although this is Tuscan control, it's it's not necessarily offensive favored by any means. So just based on the two maps we have for control and Vanguard right now, uh, you, you expect to see a lot of defensive wins uh, for control. So um, at this point, though, we're on... Um, this is the last match of Saturday, and we had three matches before this go game five. And we had just come off of London pulling off that reverse sweep over Optic, and then Toronto almost pulling off the reverse sweep against Seattle. So in my head, I was like, okay, just New York's going to win game four here, force us to a 20th map of the day, and we're going to have another game five series. But um, the Gorillas shut that down. And it was still a long day on Saturday. 19 maps is kind of nuts, but um, the Gorillas end up taking the uh, second hard point there to win 3-1. It would have been really, really crazy if New York won that uh, 
game four hard point because they got absolutely dominated in kills like neptune 20 and 29 clayster 17 and 33 hydra had the best uh had the best kd 34 and 27 crim 6 23 and 29 Nobody on the Gorillas had a negative KD. Uh, the worst would be Hook at 26 and 26. Asim and Gunless both had 30 plus, Slasher 27 and 22. And it was a 15 point difference. It was 250 to 235. That is absolutely ridiculous that it was even that close when they're like, LAG is basically picking up all the kills on the map. Um, but. You know, the win is what actually matters, but I just thought that was interesting that it really came down to the wire when, I mean, if you just look at KDs, it shouldn't have just based on kills. Uh, but yeah, great win for LAG. They finished the week uh, one and one in New York. They dropped to 0 and 2 to start the season. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to, like it, like we've said, it's the first week of the season, not a, not a huge deal. And Seattle looks to be, like, really good. So losing to Seattle in the first match is not, like, really anything that you can, like, criticize them for. And LAG, like, this was a, a close series in that uh, they almost forced a Game 5, and who knows what happens in Game 5. So, um, yeah, so great win for LAG, and they, they move on to uh, the next week with an even record. And I think just final takeaway for me too is again, like you said, kind of not like, you know, super panic mode for New York here, but the road definitely doesn't get any easier for them moving forward for uh, the major one qualifiers. They play uh, LA Thieves this week coming up. It's their only match this week, I believe. Yeah, it's their only match. And the following week they play Boston and FaZe. So um, they certainly had a tough schedule here for these qualifier matches, but um with the veteran leadership of Clay and Krim, I, I expect the squad to try to bounce back. Um, like we saw them play Boston in that the kickoff classic, and they won that one. So I think uh, if you look at those three matches, that's almost like a must-win match for them if they want to completely, if they want to have a shot to not automatically start in the losers bracket of the major. Um, but obviously, the phase match is going to be tough for them and based on what we've seen out of the LA Thieves early, uh, that should be an interesting match. So uh, we're just going to have to keep an eye on this New York squad and see how they try to bounce back in these uh, their three remaining matches before Major 1. Uh, on the last day, we started off with Paris and Florida. Uh, Florida, so they had a 3-0 loss to London to start the week. And then Paris, they lost a 3-2 series to Atlanta. Uh, Florida comes out and they win this 3-1. Um, so Paris finishes 0-2, but like, it's an impressive 0-2, especially for them. Like we've seen a lot worse from Paris, like in the past, uh, in Florida, they are able to finish one and one. Uh, this is a really great bounce back for them because they didn't look very good against London. Um, obviously they got swept, but, uh, you know, I think this is a, a great win for them. And I think it. I don't know if uh, if people are going to like really criticize them for their roles or whatever because we need to see more of it to actually get a better idea of like how this team actually plays with each other. But um, I think this is a, a good win for them to just kind of make sure that people aren't already on their case. What did you think of Florida's win? 
I, I think that's a good point. Um, kind of like we mentioned earlier, um, the the big takeaway here was the bounce back and you know seeing the slaying from Florida this time around. And again, we're not gonna say you know whatever the server situation was for this map was you know why Florida was able to come out with a win compared to their match against London. Um, but but obviously the stats are drastically different here uh, between the two series, and we see uh, vivid come out in particular and drop 46 kills in the uh, Bokage hardpoint to kick things off, um, which I believe is the record right now. And I think they were counting um, Skies dropping 45 in the kickoff classic as like the, the benchmark before this. So I, I think 46, regardless of that, is just the highest we've seen so far. Obviously only a week uh, into the season, but I think uh, that that's the mark to beat right now for kills in a single game is 46 by Vivid. And again, that's an on bogage. Um, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that throughout the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, kind of like what you were saying about the roles for Florida, I think that my takeaway in uh, regards to that is just Skies can use a sub. Um, like I was just saying, that I believe they were saying it was from the kickoff classic. I could be wrong from that, but I think that's the only thing that makes sense to me because they didn't play Bokage um, against London. He didn't drop the 45 years. So, um, but still, Scott, Skies can use a sub, and he, he was slaying pretty heavily with it um, in this series in particular. And so, um, for for people, including myself, who are questioning the roles for this Florida team uh, coming into the season, it looks like, you know, on a map like Bokage, which is heavily sub-favored, um, we're going to see Vivid Awakening and Skies all using subs, and that's something you might not have expected um, out of players like Skies and Awakening based on what we've seen them use weapon-wise in the past. And uh, I think Skies has looked good using an MP40 so far, and, you know, the question becomes, you know, how good is the MP40 and how hard is it to use? But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that really matters here. And I, I just think Skies looks good, uh, is performing well with it so far. And we can keep an eye on, you know, the performance of uh, Florida's roles. And, and this is a team like we were kind of talking about with the uh, Gavutu control situation. Um, I feel like that's a map that really favors a team like Florida just because you could have Skies Awakening and Dave Patty all running ARs and that that doesn't like really change up the dynamic of the team that much. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, although we both ex we technically expected Florida to be 2-0 uh, after this week, but you know, based on that that 3-0 loss to London, they bounce back here, pick up a win against Paris, who was looking good after uh, a close loss to FaZe. Um, Florida gets the job done, and we're just going to have to keep an eye on them. I, I think that they're going to be, you know, kind of that, uh, the, the, the franchise stigma, at least based on last year, certainly not in MW when they saw a lot of success and won the multiple uh, home series events. Um, but just based on last year, they were that middle of the pack team that could, you know, like show up and string some wins together sometimes. And then in other cases, they're just not looking strong and losing consecutive matches. So, uh, going to come down to what Florida shows up on what particular day. Uh, with, with Florida, it's going to be interesting to see how the meta shifts, um, and how that affects them because if the MP40 gets nerfed, like, and, and maybe, um, maybe ARs become more important at some point in the season or just like, uh, ARs aren't 
going to be at nearly as big of a disadvantage on, say, Bokage as they are right now. Maybe that really helps them. Um, but yeah, like I, I always think like it's I think that's probably the most interesting part about uh, some of these teams is like how they fit together role wise, because like I wouldn't say that Toronto has like uh, all of this incredible talent, like they're all incredibly talented, but it's not like these are like it's not like phase where this is a superstar roster with like essentially the best players on like each team getting together and like starting a team. Same with Optic, but the roles fit and therefore they're really good. And Florida has the potential, like like we've been saying for the past year, like they have the potential to be really, really good and be a top team in the league because I think that Skies is incredible and like Awakening at moments is incredible and vivid. Like he's one of the most aggressive players. Like he has that abeasy factor where he makes people uncomfortable on the map and he gets in oh. their face. So that's, that is a really important aspect. Uh, so it should be very interesting to see how Florida – continues on in this season um and then we had atlanta versus lat uh lat this was their first and only match of the first week and atlanta uh they were coming off of that 3-2 win against paris we both predicted that atlanta would win and atlanta did win they win 3-1 uh and beat lat they finished 2-0 this week um any takeaways from this atlanta versus la thieves match yeah, I don't really remember this map on Hardpoint, and I mean, uh, it was 250-248, so I don't remember. I feel like LA Thieves was in the lead, and then like they started to make a comeback, and then Thieves like, closed it out or something. I can't really remember. Um, I'm, I think I was watching the uh, 0 to 100, like the uh, LA Thieves documentary series, and they did it um, about the kickoff classic, so I think I'm mixing up the uh the thieves comeback against optic from the kickoff classic with this one in my head so i can't really remember this one but i, I wrote down it was a good one i may have to go back and watch it um but yeah so the thieves come out and take tuscan hardpoint 250 248 and then after that phase takes control of the series it was six four in the search uh, on Desert Siege, but then we see Tuscan Control, which again, like like I mentioned in the other one, we don't see Gavutu in this series, and I believe it's because FaZe vetoed it, and you would assume that's the case, like they likely won the going coin toss, and at least for the Control, vetoed Gavutu to play uh, on Tuscan, and we see FaZe win that one 3-0. So obviously, again, that's something just we're going to keep an eye on for FaZe, the Gavutu factor is what I'm going to call it. Um, just to see how that plays out throughout the rest of the year. And um, then for the hardpoint, instead of seeing them play Gavutu hardpoint like we did in map one of Paris versus uh, Atlanta, we see Atlanta unleash the Tiny Terrors on Bokage against LA Thieves, and they win that 250 to 136. So um, that, that's a little bit more what you expect from uh, the Tiny Terrors when you, know, you got them running around with subs. And I think... Uh, Celium really was the standout here, at least, you know, from a stats perspective, 86 and 60 for 1.43. Um, I believe Breaking Point tweeted that he had the highest overall KD. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, they did. So overall KD leaders throughout the opening weekend, Celium had a 1.24 and Gizmo had a 1.21 in second. Sib was third, 1.18. Uh, not going to talk about Major Maniac because that's next match. But yeah, so um, Selian played well in the first week, which is, you know, what you expect from 
a uh, strong player of his caliber. And uh, that this is just, you know, although the Thieves did play well in the kickoff classic, um, we were both expecting Thieves to win this one. And I think this series, aside from that uh, super close map one, uh, this is more of what we were expecting from Thieves. Yeah, Selium, he's uh, I he's kind of underrated just because he teams with Simp and Abizi, and yeah. like we talked about on our uh, last week's episode, we predicted that Simp and Abizi would win MVP, and I don't think either of us really gave any mention to Selium, but that's like Selium was actually one of the MVP. Uh, I think he was yeah. one of the MVP candidates last year. So like, he's one of the best players in the league. And Absolutely. at times, like, he's the reason, like, he's, like, the difference maker on that team. Like, when Simp isn't playing well and he, he's had those maps where he just doesn't look very good, like, he comes up big and, like, he's a and he's a great search player, like, ridiculously good. So, um, obviously, like, Atlanta has no shortage of talent and Selim is awesome. And uh, it just helps, like, to have another superstar player like him. Um, but yeah, Atlanta wins this, um, not a big surprise and that's really not a shot at LAT. It's just, we both kind of believe that Atlanta is just going to keep winning until yep. they don't. So, um, <laughs> Atlanta wins that they finished the week two zero, Uh, and then in the, the last match of the week, we had Minnesota versus optic, uh, Minnesota, I believe they had not played at all yeah so this was their first and only match of the week they had the entire weekend to kind of watch everything they got to see optics first match against london uh and optic they give it their all but uh minnesota they come up with the upset they win 3-2 optic finishes the week 0-2 what do you take away from optics loss to minnesota here and you kind of mentioned it there that the minnesota got to play or got to watch the matches before. And in particular, they got to watch Optic play um, that their opening series there against London, which obviously went down to reverse sweep. So th they got to watch five full maps of uh, Optic VOD before going into the series. And that's something I mentioned in the last pod. Although we both picked uh, Optic to win this one, I vividly remember saying that, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Minnesota came out and pulled off an upset. I just, I, I had a, a gut feeling i can't really explain it but i just remember like saying like this is a match that i could just see minnesota winning for whatever reason and turns out that's what happens even though you know if i if i went with my gut there i would have picked minnesota to win but i didn't so uh bygones be bygones there but you know um again this comes down to game five round 11 and optic loses again uh ends the week one and three in s and d so far in the season and and that's the big uh takeaway for me kind of touched on it in uh when we were talking about their previous match it's just you know optic historically has had struggles in s and d at times but this is a different team they they have rainbow coaching now it's not just sender they have a superstar s and d player in illy shout out ego chow Head correspondent Trem, hope you're doing well and staying safe in China. Um, but they have Illy, and they also have Shati, who's looked good in S and D early in his COD career. So um, you expect things to be a little different, at least, at least in my eyes. I expected Search to be um, not necessarily their strongest mode. You still think with like guys like Dashy Scump and 
Shakti, who are known to be heavy slayers, you still probably, at least in my eyes, think hardpoint would be um, their best mode. But I also was expecting them to be slightly better in search and destroy, I guess, just off the rep. And um, I remember sending you the link to the Sean Collins piece, but I didn't end up adding it to the notes. Um, I'm going to scroll real quick and try to find it. But it was just mentioning that... um, yeah, here it is. That they're still deciding the roles for search and destroy, like small things like who's going to be the main shot caller and who's going to be the bomb carrier, and and that might not sound like a big deal, but it's just something playstyle wise that when when you got like there was a merger here between two CDL teams, and half of the lineups from both of those teams came together to form a new squad. So there's going to be conversations and stuff about playstyle. I think you know Scump has mostly been a bomb carrier in recent years for Optic teams. And I feel like Shotzi also was, but I could be wrong on that. Um, Regardless of that, it's just something that, you know, it it might not seem like a big deal from an outside perspective, but to, like, the play style and the way you move on the map and stuff, it it is a big deal because, you know, like, just speaking from personal experience, obviously I'm not playing on a caliber of these guys or anything like that, but I, when I'm playing GBs just with Trevor the boys, like, I like to be that bomb carrier because I, I, I consider myself to be a selfless player. I don't really care if I die. I want to get that objective down and try to uh, set the squad up for wins, so um, that that's just something, a, a very dumb example, but, you know, just saying that, like, you know, trying to figure out, I feel like the shot caller for the team, you would expect it to be Illy just based on you know, his S&D prowess. Um, but that it's something, you know, Scump is a more veteran player. Maybe he wants to take on shot calling duties or maybe he wants to have absolutely no shot calling duties. Who knows? We're, we're It's just something. Um, it's early in the season and we're going to have to see again throughout the year how Optic bounces back from this 0-2 week and in particular uh, how they bounce back and try to improve their S&D moving forward. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about you know what you said about these two teams are or um this team is essentially two teams mashed together because you had half of uh the Dallas Empire and you had half of the Optic Chicago roster and you know when when everything merged and uh you know in Optic Chicago or Dallas Empire they merge and they become Optic Texas these two rosters like, you know, instead of having Crim6 and Clayster, or not Clayster, excuse me, having uh, Crim6 and Vivid uh, on Dallas, which was a very good roster, and, like, you had Formal last year on Optic. It just, like, it's a it's a philosophical thing. Like, Crim6 has naturally been a, a shot caller, like a leader at least, um, as far as we know, like, for the past few years. For his various teams and it just i don't know like what the dynamics are in optic but snd is something that they have historically struggled at and like you said it's a different roster but it's also just something that we continually continuously see and it's because search and destroy is the most difficult game mode for for players because like it's a lot slower like it's a lot more thinking involved than hardpoint where Boca Char point, you're not thinking, you're just you're just running and you're you're shooting things. Um so for, for search and destroy there's a lot more downtime and uh I just and, and I, I think I should also point out that of the four search and destroy maps that Optic 
played this weekend, three of them were round 11s. So they yeah. they won the first round 11 against London, uh, and then they lost the second one. And then they obviously uh, lost this game five round 11 against Minnesota, which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's disappointing, but it's also not the end of the world. I know some yeah. Optic fans are probably at at the at the edge of they're at their breaking point already because like they're just i don't know like moving on uh optic is uh they're not in trouble i don't think um they do have some things to figure out but every team does we've even talked about atlanta who we both agree is the best team and they've been the best team for a, a long time now and they still have things to work on and things to improve on so it's not the end of the world that Optic went 0-2. Does it suck for them because it could really like, hurt their chances at the major? Of course, but the first major is really not that important. Like If you don't do well at the first major, it's not the end of the world still because there are several more majors and you'll still have a chance to make up for it uh, if you're a really good team down the road. Yeah, and that, that was going to be my final takeaway here. I, I like how you mentioned they played three round 11s. It's not like they were absolutely getting smoked in Search and Destroy. I just remember, I don't know why I still remember it, and I can't tell you when the match was, but I remember when Optic Chicago played Atlanta Phase last year, there was a series where they lost in Game 5 to the Atlanta squad, and it was like they lost both Searches 6-1 and 6-0. It was like... I think it was uh, the first meeting... I think it might have been, yeah, but I don't know why I still remember that so, so specifically. But yeah, they won like the Optic lost like 12 of 13 potential rounds in Search and Destroy. Not only did they lose both maps, but like literally only won one of 13 rounds or something along those lines. So it's not like they, they're struggling to that extent here. They, they're playing some close maps, they're winning rounds. Um, at, and at the end of the day, yeah, like you said, 0-2 is definitely not ideal for them. Um, but I don't think, you know, this is a major issue. It's just we're going to have to see how they bounce back. And I think they have the tools. They, they certainly have the talent. They have the coaching staff uh, behind them to try and figure this out and uh, make any adjustments to uh, improve moving forward. But I think one thing I will bring up before we move on, could you imagine this scenario if the CDL didn't change the format to allow all 12 teams at the major where optic is sitting at zero and two right now with three matches to go and potentially being in like that bottom four to miss the optic texas major that'd be cool like just for the <laughs> total meltdown that everyone would have wasn't there like uh was i dreaming or wasn't there a proposal that like if you were hosting the land then you would have like a plan but so I like prone reported that so if you like it would be crazy if Optic had like an own like whatever and they missed their land or whatever. But what if they just had an awful qualifying stretch and then like just because they host the land, they play the play in and they win that and they get in over a team that did better than them in the qualifying matches. Like the the meltdown from that would also be at like a historical level. It would be incredible. Yeah. This is just, you know, it is a what if situation. What if situation that we no longer have to worry about because all twelve teams are at all the majors. The, but it is the, fun to think about. The what <laughs> if right now is what if Optic just continues to lose, and then they get to the major, and then they lose 
like again and they get knocked out and they look completely awful in the first like the first stretch of the season like i we talked about it last year where optic uh you know they were having like a rough stretch of things and we said like what is the solution because like this roster is really good so you can't change the roster really like who is going to be an upgrade and i think the same could be said this year like if and i'm just like i'm what ifing obviously uh like there's really not a ton of players that you could add to their roster that will probably make them better like i guess maybe just a role wise like like having a shot caller if nobody's really comfortable with it or something like that but from a talent perspective they they're one of the most talented rosters like i've ever seen yep. just based on like who they are so um obviously just a lot of hypotheticals but it would be pretty cool to see either optic come back and be really good or optic not come back and be really bad everything would be cool i think we just uh, to segue into our next topic um Optic does have a slight advantage, in my opinion, in the sense they only play one match in this upcoming week. Um, their their opponents they they play uh, Paris this week, and then they move on to play two matches against Toronto and uh, Boston in the following week. So those those are those could be tough matches, um, but I think they're just at an advantage in the sense that they aren't playing two matches in the week following their O2 performance. They only have one match this week, giving them a lot of time to prepare and focus on that one match and try to fix anything internally they think they need to fix. And then they have another week on top of that for those two matches um, ahead of, of just, you know, like considering they're playing Paris versus playing Toronto in two weeks, like they have more time to prepare for a harder match on paper. Yeah. Um so let's let's segue uh very smooth segue here. Let's uh <laughs> go into our predictions for the uh, second week of matches. Uh again, we have um actually so is this right? We have four on yeah, so we have four on Friday, four on Saturday and two on Sunday, uh which they is They changed it. They announced today. They changed it because of the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who so they? the the fourth match here on Friday was supposed to be the final match on Sunday, and they just flexed it to Friday. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, so yeah, four matches on Friday, the, uh, February eleventh, and then four on Saturday, February twelfth, and then two matches on Sunday, February thirteenth. Let's get started at the very top. Uh, we have um, matches between two. I mean, Boston did really well uh, in the first week, um, and Paris looked pretty good, uh, all things considered. Uh, who do you got here, Boston versus Paris? Yeah, we can uh, try to speed run through these uh, yeah. predictions, but um, I'm going to go with Boston here. I think, you know, sorry to let down Mike and the Paris' is winning champs crew, but um, just, just I, I feel like... Boston should be considered the better team right now. And who knows? It could be a situation here again where we see maybe uh, Paris back uh, in a series with Gavutu and the, a team like Boston um, doesn't really, I mean, I, I believe TJ is like technically their flex and he's historically been a sub player. 
Um, I think Nero is more of a flex and has used an AR in the past, but again, that that could be a map for Boston where we, I, I don't really know who they're, I mean, I guess you would see methods TJ and Nero running the three ARs, but again, I don't know. That's just speculation. doesn't really matter what, what the maps are or anything like that. Um, I'm just going to go with Boston. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Boston too. Um, I mean, I'm not on the Paris is winning champs bandwagon as much as Mike is, but uh, they they did look a lot better uh, last week than I yeah. was expecting. But Boston, I just think they'll win here. Uh, Minnesota versus Seattle. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I'll just say Seattle. They looked really good, so I don't really see any reason why I wouldn't pick them. Even though Paris in their one match beat Optic, so uh, Seattle yeah, surge here. Who uh, you going with Minnesota? Okay. No 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 no. You said Paris won their one match against. Optic. Oh, I have Paris on you the might. brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I'm going with Seattle as well here, but I'm going to stick with the caveat that I stuck with last time and say, you know, I'm going to pick Surge and expect them to let me down and Minnesota pull off an upset. Um, I don't have that same feeling I had for Minnesota's one match last week. Um, but again, this this could be a sneaky good team here and they might be able to uh, pull off, which I guess you would consider an upset at this point. I'm still going to go with Seattle here, though. Uh, Toronto versus LAG. I picked LAG in the first match of the week, and then I didn't pick them in the second, and I was wrong on both accounts. So I'm going to not pick them in the first match this week and go with Toronto. I'm going with Toronto here, too. I think um, we only saw Toronto play that one match last week, I believe, right? They only played one match. Yeah against Seattle, yeah. Um, so n- not a lot to go off of from them, not counting the kickoff classic, but I just think uh, this is a, a matchup that, that could be super entertaining. It's two super talented rosters on paper. Um, excited to see this one go down, but I, I think end of the day, Toronto wins it. And the final match on Friday is New York versus the Los Angeles Thieves. Um I mean, I want to pick New York, but they didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence last week, so I'll go with the Thieves. That's the same line of thinking I'm going with here. Is I, I feel like before last week's performance, I probably would have just picked New York. Like, if we did, like, a all major qualifiers predictions or something without seeing oh them play God. at all, I, I probably would have picked uh, New York here, but just just based off recent performances, I'm I'm gonna go with the Thieves here. Although again, Thieves, we only saw them play Phase. Um, that's obviously a, a tough opponent, and um, not to say that New York's opponents weren't tough necessarily, but they didn't play Phase. So um, I'm expecting this one to be a good one too. Um, but I'll go with the Thieves. On Saturday, we kick off with Minnesota versus London. I'm gonna go with Minnesota. They beat Optic. London looked really good as well. So nothing to take away from them, but I'll go with Minnesota. London also beat Optic. <laughs> yeah, but Minnesota is Minnesota. I feel a little more confident about that pick. I'm going Minnesota too. Um, the the we could be in a scenario here where we're just continually picking against London, and they just go like five and zero, maybe win major one, maybe London is winning champs. Who knows at this point? If that happens, uh, they owe us a paycheck. <laughs> but I'm going with Minnesota. Uh, next one we have Paris. And Optic Texas. Uh, so 
Um, I mean, Paris play, uh, they play the first match of Friday. Uh, maybe they beat Boston. Maybe they don't, uh, optic coming into this. Like you said, this is their only match of the week after a, a very disappointing Oh, and two, um, start to the season. Uh, who do you got optic versus Paris? I'm going with optic. I, I feel like I have to still, um, kind of like I touched on just a couple minutes ago, feel like the team's going to prepare. They got the, some VOD to look at from Paris. There's two matches last week, um, and this is the only match they have to focus and prepare on for this week. So I, I'm expecting Optic to try to bounce back and uh, catch the W here. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Optic, they, they had very close losses in both of their series. Um, we talked about it a lot, but yeah, Optics is still a very talented team, and I think they beat yep. Paris here. Uh, then we have Atlanta versus Boston. Boston uh, coming off of a match against Paris the previous day. Uh, Atlanta went 2-0 last week. I mean, no surprise here, but I'm going with Atlanta. Yeah, I am too. Um, we unfortunately have the exact same pick so far. and it's Because we're both very smart feel... people. I just I'm just not feeling courageous enough to go out on a limb here and pick the Boston upset. Um I will be excited here to see Capital go up against the Tiny Terrors. That that could be a good one. But um yeah, end of the day, like we've said multiple times on this podcast, picking Atlanta until they give me a reason not to. And they haven't given me a reason not to, so phase up. Uh, final match of Saturday, uh, LA Thieves versus Florida. This is a match that we actually might disagree on. Who do you have between the Thieves and the Mutineers? I don't think we're going to. I'm going with the Thieves. Um, I just, I mean, this could be another situation here where uh, this might be a trap match because we've only seen the one match from the Thieves, and who knows, maybe New York comes out, takes care of business on Friday, Thieves are tilted, and... Uh, they don't have a strong showing against Florida, but um, without having the advanced knowledge of that, the how the Thieves look against New York, I'm just going to expect the Thieves to win this one against Florida. I'm going to go with Florida. I think some online stuff is going to be really annoying <laughs> for these teams. Ooh, because that's this a good is fact. Miami yeah. versus LA. So this is like as big of a... I mean, uh, Boston is probably the Boston, Toronto, uh, any LA team is just at a inherent disadvantage usually. So I'm assuming that they'll probably be like in Dallas, use the Dallas server, but hope or Chicago. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Florida. I'm sure like I will almost guarantee that there will be a subtweet about the online stuff after this match. So uh, I'll go Florida. Um, and then we that's have, a good point though. Kudos to you for that. Yeah. I mean, we, we already saw it with Florida in week one, so let's just think that's going to happen in week two. Um, and then the last, uh, two matches of the week, we have London versus LAG and Toronto versus Florida. Uh, I'll start, I'll say LAG. I did not pick them in the first match. So, uh, maybe, um, that'll be good luck, but, uh, yeah, I also just think they're a better team than London or they they should be a better team, I guess, but I'll pick Gorillas here. Yeah, I want to pick London just so we have more differences, um, but I'm not going to, and I'm going to go with the Gorillas. So um, at this point now, we will have picked London to go 0-4, and I guess there's technically the potential for them to go 4 now <laughs> against us, but that happens. Good on them. I'll go with the Gorillas. Yeah. 
Um, and then we have Toronto versus Florida. I mean, this is like one of those those matches, like one of those weeks where we don't disagree a whole lot because we have a very limited sample size of how much like how good these teams are, how bad these teams are. So I mean, it's it's whatever. Uh, I'll go with Toronto because yeah. I mean it's Toronto, so. Same for me, but you know it is worth mentioning. Like you said, the uh, the online factor here, Florida to Toronto, some funky stuff could happen that we're not really anticipating. But uh, end of the day, this is a match I just expect Toronto to win. Yeah, I mean it's it's just how it is. It's online yep. play. It's it's uh, qualifying matches. There are only twelve teams in the CDL, so like. There's not a we, we you're not going to disagree like in the NFL there are 32 teams so you know all of these teams they never play each other until like once a year and if it's a division rival they play twice a year it's like it's just it's just a different thing uh with only 12 teams and we've only seen uh, at the at most two matches from each team so uh yeah not not a huge deal that we agree maybe it'll boost my record um this this week because uh, I believe I went three and seven last week. You went six and four, so yeah. um, not a great showing for me. But maybe we'll do a little bit better next time, or I'll do a little bit better this week. Yep. Um, is there anything else? I'm trying. We to... don't. We don't have to talk about it too much. But I just want to bring up that uh, the Call of Duty released the roadmap uh, for season two of Vanguard and Warzone today. Um, Season two officially drops on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Um, it was delayed. I think it was supposed to be earlier. I don't think it was this week. I think it was delayed two weeks. So I think it was technically supposed to drop last week or last Tuesday. Um, regardless, the, the season two uh, roadmap is dropped. Um, there were leaks. Um, I don't think there were really any like super credible leaks, but there were like rumors that we mentioned earlier in the offseason that like USS Texas was found in the game files and might have been like a season two DLC map or something. But uh, that is not the case. There there are two new multiplayer maps being added in season two, Gondola and Casablanca. Um, let me just look real quick here. Um, I, rem I, I briefly read through the blog post, which was super long, but... Um, I believe they mentioned like one of the maps was a three-lane map. Uh, so let me see. So the description for Casablanca is a shining jewel of Morocco. Casablanca is a medium-sized three-lane style map with a bustling marketplace with several buildings to explore and climb upon. Expect a variety of vertical engagements that invite a variety of close to long-range tactics. A lot of variety. Uh, but Gondola is also described don't look down on this medium-sized three-lane style map. Take a trip on the gondola to travel above a large gulch and fire watchtower. I'm just going to stop reading there because I think if there's a moving gondola, it's not going to be a <laughs> competitive map. But um, it is interesting. We're getting two new medium-sized three-lane maps. Um, so I guess there is the potential for maybe these maps to be added in the competitive map pool. But again, we're not going to know until those maps are actually dropped and um, we see how they play. And then maybe uh, the pros start testing them a little bit in scrims or something. Not sure, but um, that is something to keep an eye on just with this update. Um, 
there there are new guns and perks um, being added as well with season two. I don't think that they'll likely just be either G eight or banned, so I don't think that'll be a big deal. Um, the sticky bomb is being added as a lethal equipment. I believe that's the same exact like sticky grenade we saw in World War Two, which was also made um, by Sledgehammer. So. Um, that could play a factor in competitive play moving forward, but they have either, I think it's officially banned now, the game and bomb, uh, just because there are no trophies and there's really no counter to it. It's just, it was just a grenade that like exploded on impact and you literally couldn't do anything if it's just like thrown at you and hits you, there's no counter to it. It's not like, you know, like a frag where someone has to cook it for five-ish seconds to make it so like they throw it perfectly to the point where it explodes on you and kills you. Um, but that's just something worth bringing up. I don't know if the sticky bomb will play a factor in competitive play, but it's being added to the game in season two. And, uh, it could be something that we see down the road. Just going to have to keep an eye on that. But outside of those new additions, the big takeaway from, uh, today is that ranked play is finally coming to Vanguard over three months after the release of the game. Um, they called it in the blog post, the ranked play beta which is interesting that, you know, they're saying it's a beta probably because um, there's inevitably going to be some bugs and issues with ranked play at launch, and um, they're going to have to fix that. So I think that's where that comes in. They're going to be like, you know, this is just a beta where we can fix it before the, the real ranked play starts or whatever. Um, but regardless of that, there will be some form of a ranked playlist in Vanguard on valentine's day so if you don't have any other plans on valentine's day like me you can find me playing ranked play on vanguard um yeah that's just the main takeaway there um they said also that uh it will be a bespoke multiplayer ranked play mode launching in beta at the start of season two featuring league approved rules visible skill ratings and new competitive rewards among other innovations from Treyarch and Sledgehammer. Stay tuned later this week for more information in a dedicated broadcast from the CDL and Treyarch. So we could find out more about ranked play later this week, and then we can like uh, likely just touch on it at the uh, end of our pod next week. But uh, yeah, ranked play is finally coming to Vanguard. Yeah, I'll bite my tongue on uh, anything about ranked play or the fact that Vanguard has a bunch of bugs but isn't technically a beta so uh, I, I, I will I won't mention any of that um, we'll talk about it on a later podcast but uh, I'm glad that it's actually coming for the people that play Vanguard and the competitive scene like it's obviously a good thing that ranked play even a bad ranked play is better than no ranked play so um, that's it's always a good thing to have it um, but so yeah uh, and I mean more maps is awesome just keep adding maps like even if they're bad just keep adding them to the game just so people can like play around with them and hopefully some will find their way into competitive so we can have more than two control maps and we can actually have like a proper veto system which would be and, enjoyable yeah and i, I don't want to drag the show on too much longer but i think um with, with season one radar was added to Vanguard, and that's a remake of Dome from MW3, and I'm not even sure if, like, like the pros tried out Radar at all for any of the competitive maps. Obviously, Hardpoint wasn't a mode in uh, MW3, and Dome 
was a small map in MW3. Radar is a small map, so I don't really think Hardpoint would have worked out. Um, but, like, CTF was kind of enjoyable in MW3 back in the day uh, on Dome. So maybe there could have been some way to make control work on that. I don't really know. But I don't even know if it was really tested. So I'm not sure if these new maps in Season 2 are going to be tested. Um but like you said, we're not we're not getting like a remake like last year. We're not we got raid and standoff and express like that. That's not happening here with season two. Um, so we're we're getting two brand new maps that potentially the pros could try out, or they just won't touch them at all, and we'll have the same map pool that we have right now. Yeah, uh, I wonder which which one is more likely. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we've been going for about an hour and a half. This is one of our longer episodes in a while. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, make sure to subscribe or like the podcast or follow the podcast, wherever you're listening or watching on, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're on, uh, Twitch. We do the live shows, uh, every week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ego child podcast. So, uh, if you're listening to this or you're watching on YouTube, you can watch the live show. Maybe we'll do, uh, episodes a little bit earlier in the day. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Whoa. Um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Intel. it. We'll talk about it <laughs> in a later episode. Um, but yeah, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jay Bink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers. And the podcast Twitter is at Ego Child Podcast. Uh, we hope to be back here next Tuesday, which would be February 15th. So a little bit uh, right after ranked play drops and uh, Bink can give us a firsthand account of how ranked play is going without um olympic trim uh by his side so um well we hope to be back here next week uh live show and um yeah that's it for me take it away bink yep thank you guys as always for tuning in hope you enjoyed um now that the season has officially started uh we're most likely going to get back into that more regular uh routine of weekly shows like if, if you were following us last year uh that's basically what we did last year. So I, I, that's what we're most likely going to do moving forward uh, for this year. So uh, thank you guys for the support now. If you've been with us this whole time, thank you for all the support along the journey. Um, as usual, if you have any feedback or anything like that you want to shoot our way, just reach out. Let us know what you got. And uh, we're always looking for ways to improve the show. But hope you enjoyed. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And remember to send the chow.